0: Hello everyone and welcome to another edition, a new edition because uh, we haven't been together for for some time. A new edition of the EuroHoopPod, EuroHoop's official podcast. Uh, We are back with a vengeance, with hope. Uh, Adonis (laughs) Stokilakis and Adigoni Zahari. Hello Adigoni.
1: Hello Antonis and happy new year everyone.
0: And happy new year everyone indeed and happy new uh, year in EuroLeague. Finally, because uh, at least uh, the way I see it, <laughs> the, the, the year in EuroLeague began this week, not in the previous weeks, because we have finally returned to normality. And what do I mean by that? I mean that after three rounds with suspensions, postponements, EuroLeague clubs suffering from uh, multiple coronavirus cases, uh, teams being unable to have a decent roster, to play games. Uh, you know, uh, we, we, had, uh, we had so many games getting suspended and postponed. We finally had a full, complete EuroLeague round. Huzzah!
1: It was about time.
0: Yeah, it was about time, and uh, it was a great EuroLeague round. I mean, it, it wasn't a spectacular EuroLeague round, but it had upsets game winners, uh, teams uh, recording uh, first ever uh, wins against uh, other teams or uh, at uh, arenas that they hadn't previously won. Uh, great defensive performances and uh, we had. And we have a th- new
1: leader in the standings as well.
0: A new leader in the standings, correct Adigoni. Uh, we had all sorts of excitement even though we, we didn't have this, this huge mega performance Uh, this week, like we had in previous rounds, we had many, many, many great games, and uh, we're going to pick some moments that, uh, moments, games, performances, that uh, at least for us, they defined this uh, normal, the finally normal. I mean, it sounds weird saying this, but, uh, you know, after after three weeks of, uh, you know, uh, little action, it's so great to finally have a full EuroLeague week, super.
1: Exactly, because, you know, it was actually getting kind of boring without many games, especially for us. And, you know, it's good to have something to talk about finally.
0: Yeah, it's good to to finally have, you know, the the full package, the full EuroLeague package. Even though EuroLeague teams are still uh, affected Uh, by their from the from the coronavirus problems because uh, you know uh, just just because a player returns from the coronavirus just because a player tests negative after being absent for so long this doesn't mean that he will return to a hundred percent in form immediately
1: exactly
0: Uh, teams will have to take their time they will have to you know uh, maybe uh, they haven't practiced for so long, they haven't played games uh, for so long, they're out of sync, they lack rhythm, they lack, they lack many things and they need to find them. Uh, some teams seem unaffected by this, but we will cover all this. Let's begin with a game that opened uh, this uh, round in EuroLeague, round 22, and we're talking about Unix Kazan against Barcelona. Revenge! Ventasy sweep for uh, <laughs> Unix Kazan. 70-64 against uh, Barcelona. And uh, I'm using the, these words, uh, vengeance and uh, revenge, because Unix Kazan had suffered a, a heartbreaking loss to Barcelona at Palau Blaugrana uh, almost a month ago. It was a very, a very intense game, a very, a very close game. Unix Kazan seemed to be in control. Uh, Barcelona came back, forced the overtime and got uh, the win. Uh, a very dramatic match and now Unix Kazan won uh, without any drama without any uh, thriller in the end they won uh, relatively easily I'd say I mean they were in control uh, in the entire second half John Brown once again made uh, a difference with his defense with his offense 20 points 7 steals a new record in EuroLeague this season and uh, for rebounds Lorenzo Brown uh, took over uh, the scoring mainly, and in general, the offense of Unix Azam, 22 points and eight assists. And uh, Mario Gersonia registered uh, a very, uh, you know, it, it wasn't the highlight of the game, but it was uh, very casual for him. Uh, double double, 11 points, 11 uh, rebounds. He didn't shoot the ball well, but this 11 rebounds is uh, quite the number. On the other end, Barcelona didn't have players. It had the one happy absence, one happy, sorry, one happy return and one not so happy <laughs> absence, right, Adigoni?
1: Well, indeed, and the unhappy absence in this case was Nicola Mirotic, who missed his first yearly game of the season. And it was evident uh, all over the court for Barcelona that this uh, absence was really affecting them. And it makes sense when your leader and MVP favorite is absent, um, there is not quite the right balance. On the other hand, though, uh, Sarunas Jesikovicius had a had some good news for this game. Uh, Nick is returned. And although, you know, He had missed 12 games, Uh, we should keep that in mind. He wasn't very um, prepared for this game. He played for 20 minutes, uh, was productive on the creative end. He had five assists, but he went scoreless in that game, Uh, which, of course, is understandable. As you said earlier on, uh, it doesn't mean that when a player returns to action, COVID or not, uh, that they will be ready to, you know, just uh, be up to the high level. Uh, being sidelined, it makes sense, I think. And um, for Barcelona, that game was uh, kind of, uh, you know, all over the place. Although, as Serenis Jasicovic said, two players uh, have been um, have been solid. Uh, to quote him, he said uh, the words "excellent" for Corey Higgins. He had 17 points in that game, and of course, uh, Brandon Davies. Uh, Played per Saronis Yaskovicius. He had 16 points, uh, 4 rebounds for Barca. But that just wasn't enough to stop the Browns in that
0: game. Yeah, and it wasn't enough to to counterbalance in a way Milutic's uh, absence. You know, we're talking about uh, almost uh, eight, 18 points per game and 5.5 rebounds. The, the leading scorer and the leading rebounder for uh, Barcelona. And as you said, the MVP favorite. You know what, Iconi? Uh, You you mentioned it uh, very clearly, just because a player uh, is physically ready to return to basketball, he's healthy, his injury is gone, or his coronavirus is gone, thank God, this doesn't mean that he's basketball ready, that he's the player before uh, whatever happened to him that uh, got him uh, sidelined. So, Nicolás will, t- will have to take his time. We saw, we saw it also happening with Corey Higgins. Corey Higgins wasn't the usual Corey Higgins when he's returned from his own injury. Uh, let's, see, let's see if Nicolás will be a different Calathis. It's still early, of course. In the upcoming Clásico, Sunday, Barcelona-Real Madrid for the Spanish League, where Nicola Mirodi-Tazigoni will play in this game. He was absent in the Unix, exactly. in the Clásico.
1: Uh, he actually tested negative today, uh, per the latest news by Barcelona. So that is actually very good news for uh, the upcoming Classico.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the Clásico, let's just mention it that it's uh, Real Madrid against Barcelona. The game is in Madrid, in the Spanish capital, 6th, uh, half past six uh, on the the afternoon or evening. I don't know, whatever you consider it, uh, tomorrow's CET time and uh, sarnosiskevich actually said about milotic he was asked about milotic and how is his situation now that he has covid now that he had covid because he doesn't have covid uh, anymore apparently and he said it's uh, it's the incredible omicron and he's feeling like an animal now uh, i didn't to be honest with you i didn't like the fact that it seemed that uh, it seemed like sarnosiskevich Wasn't taking the whole coronavirus thing seriously enough. This the incredible Omicron sounded a bit sarcastic to me, Uh, and uh, you know, in regards to the to the fact that maybe that uh, the wasn't affected by it because the way the way said it, it's the incredible Omicron. He's feeling like uh, an animal, and Sonjevicius also made the comment that uh, looked to me that uh, he's a bit. He was a bit undermining the series of uh, the coronavirus, and uh, you yeah, know, he has
1: been quite vocal about it. Uh, I remember him saying prior to that quote that uh, yeah. if Corona happened like uh, many years ago, we would just sit at home and.
0: Uh, yeah. uh, well, to correct you, you a bit, if he had, if we had a virus, he didn't. Right, right, the virus, corona, but if we a virus, but still, yes. you know putting virus and coronavirus in the same status, obviously they aren't the same things. If they were the same things, our lives wouldn't have been the way they are right now, you know, with the mask, with the rapid tests, with the vaccines. Right. It would have been different, uh, or the lockdowns, uh, but they, they aren't the same thing. And, uh, you know, it it saddens me a bit when I hear uh, people, uh, especially people who are, you know, very vocal and who uh, famous people, who may influence other people, you know, speaking yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, you're right
1: business. about it. You're right about it because um, they have the means to also affect what uh, other people would think, the fans in this case.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would have preferred if Sanovic uh, when he was asked about the COVID and uh, said that, uh, you know, if I had it uh, uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I would have uh, drunk some tea and then uh, right. to go to practice. I would have preferred to say something like, uh, you know, wear, wear your masks. I, I'm not gonna say that I would have preferred uh-huh. for him to say, you know, go go get vaccinated. It's uh, also, I'm pro-vaccine because it's, it's a bit of a sensitive uh, uh, matter, but still I would have preferred for him, you know, a bit more of a responsible answer, you know, wear your masks, take care of yourself, stay safe, something like that. There are so many things that uh, someone can't say in regards to the coronavirus, especially someone that went through this thing, thankfully I haven't been through this thing, Uh, there are so many things that someone can't say instead of undermining it and, uh, you know, reducing uh, how serious this thing is.
1: Right, I can't argue with that, actually. Uh, You are correct. I'm just thinking that, uh, you know, we all talk about the, the COVID thing uh, and uh, how it affects us. But I kind of can cut him some slack for his quotes because he's not a professional, uh, And of course, he will he will talk from his own perspective about it. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I disagree with these quotes. I'm just saying that he doesn't have the necessary background to probably provide a an answer that would, you know, actually help people who
0: would hear it out. But, but that's the thing, Adigoni. This thing is a completely subjective it's a subjective experience, you know, where each person that has COVID, you know, has a completely different experience. You know, someone might say that, you know, I had it and right. for two weeks, nothing happened to me. It was uh, normal. It was like, I didn't have it. Uh, someone, uh, another person might, you know, might not taste things or not being able to smell things. I remember Rudy Gobert, the first NBA player who tested positive for coronavirus when the league uh, sat down in 2020 said that he lacked the smell and taste, these two senses, Uh, you know, other people, you know, have severe flu symptoms and uh, other people, of course, we know, uh, sadly, what uh, might happen to them. But anyway, let's leave it behind, let's return to basketball. as you said, Barcelona is no longer the standings leader because uh, Real Madrid is now on top. Of course, they have um, and the the, the record is better than Barcelona, but uh, Barcelona has played two more games. Real Madrid has 60 wins and three losses. Barcelona has 16 wins and five losses. So, uh, I I I don't mean that Real Madrid will lose these two games, but let's see how the season will develop. But anyway, the game in the stand, Real Madrid, who, by the way, beat Alba Berlin 89 74 on the road in a game that was pretty much unremarkable, except for the return of Gabriel Deck uh, on the floor for uh, Real Madrid. But uh, let's let's stay in Russia for a bit, Adigoni. I would like us to stay in Russia because uh, while Unix Kazan was playing uh, some, uh, some very strong basketball, particularly on the defensive end, Zenit St. Petersburg, another Euroleague uh, Russian side, uh, was on the completely opposite side of things against us, Monaco. A huge win for Monaco, 86-77 against uh, Zenit Adigoni in a game that had um, plenty of of great performances, right?
1: Indeed, and uh, we should focus... Of course, uh, let's begin by saying that Monaco on a four-game winning streak. Mike James, who of course has been uh, very productive now with uh, Sasa Bradovac uh, on the bench, and I will particular, I will particularly talk about uh, the last four games, which happened to be Monaco's uh, winning streak. He has been um, producing so much on uh, both for himself. Actually, he has... Uh, three games with 20 points or more. But what was significant about him is the fact he is also creating chances for his teammates. He has an incredible assist to turnover ratio of uh, 7.5, uh, 7.5 to 2.75 in the last four games alone. So that is really significant for a player uh, that, is also, that is also the playmaker of the team. Um, as I said, three games with more than 20 points and this kind of, uh, you know, um, all the rest of the team. Uh, but before we go to that, we should also mention that this week, uh, in the previous game, uh, against Asheville, he became, uh, he joined basically the 3000 point club in the Euroleague, which is a very elite club to join. And he was the fastest player to do so with, uh, way less games than the rest of the top eight Uh, up to that point. He had uh, 186 games when he reached the park. So that is also an incredible feat uh, to consider. And it just proves to me that he is just coming out stronger and playing in full form again. And with that being said, we should also note that Dwayne Bacon and Donatas Yunas have been, uh, there has been a spike to their performance uh, in the last four games. And I greatly believe it's part of uh, Mike James uh, in the game and uh, the effect that Obradovich has had in the team. And the question now is... uh, Whether they can keep uh, this streak going, they have a very tough schedule ahead. So we should also consider that. They play against Real Madrid. They have a postponed game to be played in February against Unix Kazan. Um, They will also face Chervenas Ves down the road. So uh, the question there is how how able they are to hold up to that uh, hot streak and how Mike James can... uh, uh, always step up and, you know, kind of uh, force his team into bettering themselves.
0: You know, the only the, the thing that I would say is that I really, really like Mike James when he's, he's acting, he's performing uh, with the mindset of a playmaker. When he's the guy that he's looking to, to pass the ball instead of, you know, having this uh, tunnel vision that the only thing that he can see is uh, the basket, a path to the basket, even, even when there isn't any path to the basket, even when there is a sea of bodies between him and the basket, uh, sometimes my kids <laughs> seem to have been looking just at the basket. I'm going to to cut my to cut through this uh, sea of bodies. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to slash my my way through everyone. And uh, you know, this this I bore fruits many many times. But uh, some other times the results weren't completely satisfactory. You know, Mike James. I remember in uh, one edition of the Eurohoops uh, Top 100, the annual feature, I wrote that he has, he has a strong instinctive uh, mindset when he's playing. It's he, it's his instinct that dictates to him. You know, attack the basket, attack the basket. You must attack the basket. And uh, I like the way that he has uh, sort of put reins in that aspect of his, uh, of his game of his character as a basketball player. And, you know, he's, he's also, he also, he sometimes, you know, he sometimes is uh, a pass-first point guard, perhaps for the first time in his career. And, you know, the results uh, speak for themselves. And it's not like he has abandoned his scoring duties. He scores a lot. He's um, the first scorer of Monaco. But I really love how he, as you said, how he involves his uh, teammates. And uh, you said it. They have a really difficult schedule ahead. Of course, they registered some impressive wins because you know, winning at any winning at Bayern Munich, it's no easy feat. It's the, these are the wins of a playoff team. So who knows? Who knows? It's a big question, Mark, how far
1: you know what what you said, vote. uh what you said about James and how you like uh, this improvement uh, another player that just came to my mind is Alexei Sved uh, this season I think they have a pretty similar change uh, towards you know creating more and giving handing out the ball more
0: but, this uh, season not with the same results I would say yeah uh, right but uh, Alexei Sved experiment uh, mindset
1: a, uh, mindset change
0: basically has really been working for uh for Jessica Moscow recently. Yeah. I mean, of course, Jessica Moscow, we're going to talk about, speaking of Jessica Moscow, we're going to talk about uh, Jessica Moscow, but let's do it now. Jessica Moscow, for example, in the game against Olimpia milano uh, it's funny that you mentioned Alexei belt. It was uh, perhaps Alexei belt. Not perhaps. It was Vets' worst game this season. He had the minus five peers. He had 0 out of six three-pointers. And uh, he just had uh, one assist He, But I know that what you're saying is that Alexei Svet also is trying this season to balance the, the, the side of himself. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. have to score, you have to score, you have to score. And the side of him that uh, it's, it's the side of Jessica Moscow. It's uh, Alexei, you are playing uh, for a contender. This is not Kim Kim Moscow. This is not your team. You are not the complete boss on the floor like you were on uh, Jessica Moscow here there are many players who can score the, the basket there are also many players who can pass the ball The roles uh, are distributed with uh, you know uh, in a more balanced manner so he has to to adapt it has been uh, it hasn't been easy i think so far for Zved, but he's trying and it hasn't been easy for Jessica Moscow i have to say uh, recently. Now, the game against uh, Olympia-Milano was uh, by far the worst of Jessica this season. Olimpia milano won in Moscow 67-57. Now, these 57 points are the uh, the least that Jessica has scored in any EuroLeague game since the semi-final loss to Olympiacos in 2013. there worst Uh, offensive performance in the Dimitrisi this era and I'm saying that in the the Dimitrisi this era because one thing that CSKA has been uh, overall in the Dimitrisi this era is a fantastic offensive team Uh, traditionally one of the most um, efficient offensive teams in EuroLeague you know uh, usually first among uh, all other EuroLeague uh, clubs in uh, scoring averages uh, after, you know, in season scoring averages, but these 57 uh, points, you know, uh, they look like a stain in what um, interseca's game so far this season. Well, uh, it was one part Milano's defence. They put on a defensive clinic. They were spectacular on defence. They uh, A lot of energy, great effort by, by all Milano players especially Kyle Heinz who you know uh, some uh, with the things that he's doing right now at this age are indescribable the way he's blocking shots the way he's chasing players it's it's amazing and on the other on the other hand it was also the fact that uh, Jessica Moscowsco didn't manage to, to to play at one point uh, especially in the second half uh, Jessica Moscowsco scored just 22 points uh, really disappointing output. The thing about Jessica Moscow is that they dominated the rebounds. They had 17 offensive rebounds. Milano grabbed just five, but Jessica didn't manage to, to make the most out of these uh, extra possessions because they overall had many, many more possessions than uh, Olivia Milano. You know, the, the the two teams were balanced when it comes to turnovers. Uh, Jessica had uh, 13, Milano right. had 11, but Seven, 12 more offensive rebounds, and they didn't manage to connect to the basket. Uh, a problem for Tessica uh, Divoni, but, you know, there are no excuses. Dimitri Stoutis would be the first to say that there are no excuses. But Tessica has been missing some key players.
1: Yeah, of course, and we have to keep it in mind. Of course, uh, coach Stoutis will never use this as a... As an explanation for a loss, but to play without uh, Daniel Hackett in a, in a game after actually two hot performances by him, uh, that is a huge blow for the team, I believe. And if we add to that that Will Clyburn is also sidelined, uh, it gets tougher for uh, Jessica.
0: Yeah, you know the thing we said, uh, Daniel Hackett is uh, that uh, he has been the he was the MVP of Jessica Moscow. Uh, at Panathinaikos, uh, of course, that was uh, you know an easy win for uh, for Jessica. It was a blowout win. But uh, in the game against Asvel, Tsekkas needed the absolute best uh, Daniel Hackett in order to to manage to overcome Asvel because this was a very competitive Asvel team, and uh, you know Daniel Hackett had to score 27 points in that game. But anyway. It's, uh, it's not only about the points, it's the playmaker of Daniel Hackett. They, they don't have someone who can also not only score for himself, but also uh, initiate offense for others. And that's what Daniel Hackett that's, does. That's also what Will Laburn does. As I said before, the thing about Jessica is that it has players, the team has players who can do a lot of things on the floor. They are versatile. Everyone can score, everyone can create. I mean, if we, if we can't pick... Each player, every player of the roster, you know, Tokos Engelia, Ifelandberg, Landberg, uh, Nikola Milutinov, Johannes Voigtman, they can score, they can rebound, they can uh, create, they can do everything. And um, that's how Tessica has been built year after year. There are players who can do a lot of things on the floor, but Tessica's offense has been uh, struggling. And Milano, Adigoni, a win at Barcelona and now a win at Tessica. Uh, Milano is becoming a superpower again after a bit of a struggle.
1: Yeah, finally, we we see that uh, spike in them. And to their credit, they didn't have uh, Gigi Datome in the game uh, against uh, Cesica this time, Uh, sidelined. But of course, as you said, uh, Kyle Hines was... uh, just incredible on the defensive end, and uh, against his former team, with which he has won two EuroLeague titles. That's always a, a fun story to think about and uh, you know discuss. But also uh, Devon Hall and Troy Daniels uh, just overpowered uh, Jessica. At some point, they both scored thirteen points for Milan. In and um, adding up to you know Heinz connection with uh Jessica, also Sergio Rodriguez uh had quite a productive night. Uh, he wasn't that um that present on the scoring end. He had seven points, but it again it was a, a low scoring uh and low pace game. So that doesn't say doesn't mean much at all. Um and he also had five rebounds, three assists for his team, a steal, and just over, over 20, play, 20 minutes of play, that was um, a solid display.
0: And you know, the, the 13 points uh, by Demo Hall and 30 points by Toyota, it's a low scoring game. This, and the, the, the tempo was extremely slow as well. Uh, it was a low scoring game at a very slow pace, and uh, <laughs> the 13 points matter, the, even the seven by seven exactly. matter. And uh, we have to make a special mention for uh, Trey Kell, who is a relatively newcomer for uh, Olimpia Milano. This was just his second game. And you know, Trey, Trey has been having a winning, he's been bringing a winning mojo for Milano since he arrived at <laughs> the game. a win at, Bar- at Barcelona. And now he had nine points in, in uh, 15 minutes. Talk about efficient. Uh, also, a key contribution of the bench. And again, people, uh, uh, our dear listeners, do not stay at the fact that uh, he had nine points. He had nine points in 15 minutes at Tessica Moscow in a very low-scoring game. And it's not a surprise that both Ettore Messina and Dimitris Stubis mentioned him among the players who were key in the win. Now, let's return to Thursday games, uh, Adigoni, uh, because uh, you know we talked about Tessica uh, off-schedule. But uh, we um, we have to talk about a team that uh, finally finally bounced back to wins after the worst losing streak in EuroLeague. We are talking about Maccabi Tel Aviv. Maccabi Tel Aviv came into the game against. Now Australia, that's a team
1: but... who actually
0: yes, it's a, a, a good performance and a, a great and a return to wins. Eight straight losses from Maccabi. Uh, they last won in uh, November 17, and now they beat Olivia Pireus 84, 69, a win that uh, a very valuable win from Acabe, because uh, right now the, the team is fighting to, to stay alive in the playoff race, and uh, every result uh, counts right now. It was Ante Zizic who did uh, huge damage to Olivia basically he, he toyed with the opposing big guys of Olivia uh, he was also the MVP. Over the week in EuroLeague, the Croatian big man has been having a very, a very good season overall. I'd say a great uh, season. And uh, had 23 points on 10 out of 12 uh, shots, 6 rebounds. He dominated easily. I mean, he, he did whatever he wanted inside uh, the paint. And it was exactly uh, also the defense of Maccabi, especially in the second half. That led to the win against uh, Olympiacos, Sadigoni TikTok, TikTok, something, something <laughs> didn't feel right with uh, the Reds in their last two yearly games.
1: Um, for sure, especially in the second half. But before we we go into that, did you notice that, uh, of course, you will say that there was a COVID break in between, but Maccabi's streak, uh, losing streak, began with uh, Pireus. And yes. it actually ended against Olympiacos at home. So mm-hmm. that, that's an interesting, fun fact to keep in mind. Um, as for uh, Olympiacos... That was a blowout
0: uh, win. I mean, that was... Uh...
1: Exactly, completely dominant win for Olympia Ghost at home back then. Uh, The tables turned for Maccabi this time.
0: I mean, this was was a dominant win by Maccabi also because they were up uh, over 20 points uh, at some point. I mean, uh, the score, the margin could have been even bigger, I think, right?
1: Exactly. And I don't know, it seemed to me that in the second half, once again, everything collapsed for Olympiakos. I don't know if it's a matter of uh, lacking energy, uh, sticking to the defensive plan just didn't work. And as the game progressed, uh, even what seemed to be working on the offensive end uh, with uh, hitting shots, etc., it just collapsed. And we've seen that happening both against bener bachche and maccabi so the question is um how prepared is olympiakos to you know uh, get back on track after facing covid uh, and of course that's not uh, just for olympiakos uh, most teams have been affected by the coronavirus as of um but yeah I just wonder what happened to the explosiveness of their defense, especially there have been several games uh, throughout the season where we've seen them being on a tough spot in the first half then coming out stronger um, on the defensive end in the second half. This time, uh Izic just did whatever he wanted in the paint and uh, it just didn't work for Olympiacos.
0: Well, Olympiacos will have... Uh a really good opportunity to bounce back uh, next week because the next game is against um, Cervenas Vesta at home. Uh, not that I want to underestimate Cervenas Vesta, but this is a good opportunity, a great opportunity for because You know, they are not facing a superpower. They are not facing a contender. They are playing at home. so it, It's a good uh, game for them to bounce back. Not so good for Cervenas Vesta of course because they will face an Olympiacos team that will want to bounce back. But you know what the thing is about Maccabi the Goni? We're talking about teams that uh, are struggling to to regain uh, their previous form after uh, after losing many after you know losing practices after being uh, out of action for weeks because of uh, mainly because of coronavirus problems because that was the issue for uh, the whole Euroleague for all the Euroleague clubs. But Maccabi Tel Aviv seemed completely unaffected by this. They hadn't played a game in. Uh, two weeks if i remember correctly but they looked great i mean uh, they didn't play as particularly spectacular uh, first half but they looked more ready uh, than uh, all the uh, all uh, all other teams that came back after you know uh, p- problems with the coronavirus coronavirus breaks if you will and uh, i'll give the credit to yannis feropoulos uh, for this you know for for presenting a squad that, uh, that entered the game uh, very, very ready and very well prepared to play. It was like, uh, it was like, you know, it was like that they didn't have any, any off period that they continued played and, you know, kudos to them. Are you there?
1: Sorry, I'm just having uh, breaks in the sound, so okay, I'm okay. missing some we got parts. Okay, we got it. So um yeah, and to you know kind of uh end this discussion about I also wanted to say that uh they the way they use this time off to prepare um what actually worked and at this point of the season when you are fighting for you know a playoff spot and the competition is incredible uh to survive in the contest uh the way they use this time off it really paid off i'm just wondering hold up
0: you know well uh of course, Maccabi was uh, not fighting for their lives. They were not fighting for their lives exactly. It's too early to to use expressions like this. But uh, you know, a defeat will uh, will sink them. Would sink them in the lower the standings. It would be a nine-game losing streak. It will be another loss at home, and uh, you know, things uh, may have been uh, ugly, really ugly for Maccabi if they didn't um, win uh, this one. But anyway. They won it uh, and one of the biggest uh, wins uh, this week, you know, considering all of the things that we mentioned. And another big win, just because of how the game developed, was uh, the way FS beat Panathinaikos. 82-81, thanks to a huge bucket uh, and almost buzzer-beater, I would say just game-winner, a game-winning three-pointer by uh, Adrian uh, Mormon for uh, FS. Panathenaikos uh, led multiple times uh, during the game. They even uh, led in the in the fourth quarter, in most of the fourth uh, of the fourth period, and uh, they were up 79-81 after one free throw by Okaro White. Okaro White, who missed again a free throw in the last seconds of the game, after he went uh, 0-2 uh, at Bagger Munich, and uh, Bagger Munich took advantage of this. To win the game thanks to a three-pointer by vladimir lucic again it was uh, panathinaikos was close to was close actually to sweeping the reigning euroleague champions in the regular season and this uh, for a team that is uh, 17th in the standings like panathinaikos is this would have been pretty amazing i mean i'm sure that fans of panathinaikos it's not, it's not all right for fans of Panathinaikos. It's nothing to celebrate about. Uh, the, no one will say that, uh, oh, yay, we beat um, the reigning EuroLeague champion uh, twice this season. And uh, so all, other, all, uh, all of our other problems, the fact that we are 17th this season, the fact that uh, we're not competing for the playoffs uh, is erased. And no one's going to say that. But uh, honestly, to me, it would be pretty amazing for Panathinaikos to beat FS twice. The same you team.
1: know, uh, a team is most dangerous when they have nothing to lose. And this is the case. If that would happen,
0: pretty, pretty it correct. would be a
1: huge problem for yes.
0: MS. I mean, yeah, Panathinaikos. Uh, and they didn't have uh, George Papayanis. So it's weird how things work sometimes. You know, a team, uh, you know, they they go to Istanbul. They, they know that they are the underdogs, of, of course. They don't have uh, much pressure. Of course, there's always pressure to win. That goes without saying. Everything wants to win, no team goes to a game and says, uh, oh, it's okay if we lose. Oh, mm-hmm, exactly. But, you know, they are they are relieved of this pressure of the favorite of the must-win. It's a fest that must win this game because they play at home, they face one of the worst teams uh, in a good decision, and it's like, if we aren't going to win this one, then what game are we going to win? So, anyway, you know, uh, big effort mm-hmm. by Panathinaikos. Close, but no cigar. In the end, and um, as uh, as <laughs> Gina put it uh, very simply, you know, basketball is a simple game. He said uh, uh, we were losing all the shots uh, throughout the game, and they did. FS was six out of uh, twenty-seven three-pointers before Moerman's game-winner. Fasile Mitis was uh, zero out of seven, for example. Kronosaf Simon was a one out of four. They were horrible in the three-point shooting. And uh, we, we missed everything, Ergin Ataman said. We made this one. Panathinaikos had a really good uh, shooting night. They had uh, 12 out of uh, 28. It's a pretty decent uh, percentage for a, for a road game in Euroleague. And Nemanja Nedovic had 20 points, four out of uh, eight threes. But as I said, close, but no cigar. Anyway, that's it. That's a wrap for uh, today's Eurohupod, the, the glorious return of the Eurohupod, the return of the Euroleague to normality and our return. Right, Adigoni?
1: Right. And let's hope it remains that way that the, the huge outbreak is gone and we can now focus again on gaming action instead yeah. of, you know, COVID
0: news. <laughs> Indeed. Adigoni, please tell uh, our, our fans <laughs> where uh, they can listen to us.
1: Well, you can always uh, follow the EuroHoop pod on Spotify. We can also be found on the Google podcast, Apple podcast, and on the anchor.fm slash hoops, where you can follow and listen to podcasts at your own will. On Anchor, we also put timestamps so you can, uh, and Spotify as well. So you can navigate through the talk if you want to. And always keep checking eurohoops.net everything surrounding European basketball and not only
0: yes and uh, we will be back uh, you know more frequently right now EuroLeague is back Uh, we are back we are going to be producing more more shows and more uh, often Uh, farewell for now from uh, Adonis Stogilekis and Adioni Zahari Uh, Adioni I hope you are okay with your cold
1: thank you very much (laughs) let's hope let's hope
0: And uh, to everyone, uh, be well, stay safe, and uh, have a good one. See you on our next show.